Hello there. Today we are going to talk about one of the most crucial rounds of the game. What could decide whether you win or lose. We're talking about swing turns. My name is Matthew and welcome to the Gamers Guild. back and we are here to talk about swing turns basically the idea of setting up a big swing as they call it where you either you take out a bunch of your opponent's pieces or maybe you run away or whatever you need to do in order to set up really getting a vp lock on the game and it's sort of our continuation of our stages of the game, our deep dives into what we need to do from individual small pieces of how we execute strategies in order to win. Today, for our host with me is Josh or Merzane. Hello, how you doing? Good. It has been a while. Oh, it a has been time. a while. It has been so long that we have started doing show notes. <laughs> And you weren't aware. I know. <laughs> I didn't even know. I, it's been so long since I've done anything but work. I haven't even gotten to record a podcast with my podcast daddy, HPP Will. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I, as it, I thought Nate was your podcast daddy. Uh, I can have two daddies. That's that's true. That's true. You can. You can. Absolutely. And I do. You do. And you do. Nate, Nate and Will, your podcast daddies. You've heard it here first. Yeah. It's official. It's on record. And with us, we are bringing in a guest like we have with these deep dives to bring in an outside perspective from our little internal gamers guild sort of intro meta. And this time we're bringing in from the game store guardians, Will Castillo. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. pretty good. I'm doing, I'm doing yeah, not to be confused, I'm not Merzine's daddy. It's the other will. It's the other will. All oh, right, right. Oh, there's too many wills. Not to <laughs> say that there's not enough room for extra uh, podcast daddies, but we, we just have haven't we haven't reached that point yet. Sure. Maybe by the end of the episode. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows where this will go? <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. I'm so excited. <laughs> what have you signed up for? <laughs> there are two kinds of people in this world. I thought this was about swing dancing, so I'm off. No, it's about it's swinging. About some kind of swinging. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Will, oh, you boy. like pineapples? Absolutely not. <laughs> I flipped on pizza. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Yes. All yes. right. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. So, <laughs> Will, uh, so before we, we – so I brought you in because – uh, I kind of view you as the master of the swing turn. Uh, not 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 to oversell you or anything, but uh, I, I've I've played against you and I've watched your games on your your streams. I've watched your discussions, and I can see you. And I know that you're really big into the uh, Weapon X affiliation, and it's all you're all about that swing turn about turning that game around and for a win. Yeah. So I want you to let the listeners who might not know you uh, a little bit more about you, tell them who you are and how long you've been playing. Okay. Well, my name is Will from the Game Store Guardians podcast, a 
regularly irregular scheduled podcast because it's hard for me sometimes to find the time to do it. Um, <laughs> I've been playing, I want to say, about a year and a half at this point. Um, I started right at, right, yeah, a year and a half ago. I was, I was bugging my whole family. I'm like, please, this is all I want for Christmas. Just get me the core box. And they did not realize the hell that will be wrought <laughs> from me now owning every model in the game. Except for Dormammu. I never saw you again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Buried but, underneath all those models. Oh, yeah, because I, I started assembling. Then I'm like, well, I'm going to be that guy that does not play unless they're painted. So then I took the time to paint everything. So, like, I got it for Christmas, but I don't think I played my first game until, like, March. Just like Josh. Josh, Josh doesn't play unless it's painted, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> I only, I almost exclusively play unpainted. I just have to be like a counterculture man, you know. Like, all my characters are from the monochromatic universe. Uh, yeah. There are three colors according to their own universe. <laughs> well, no. Now I've hit the point in my painting where I'm like, okay, I'm looking at my models. I'm like, all right, I could rebuy this box and repaint them better. So now I'm at that point of my my oh, painting. Wow. Yeah, That's impressive. Like I just finished up, uh, I just redid a domino because like my first domino was okay, but it was like I slapped some contrast on there and I was like, all right, because I was just starting painting. Now I'm like, okay, I'm going to have her standing on a sentinel torso and I'm painting her to look like the Marvel snap domino. So I just finished her up. So she actually looks pretty good. Well, you got to, you have to send me a picture when you're. Yeah, I will. I'll probably take some photo box pictures after we get done. I just finished her last night, but um, yeah, so I just, I've always wanted to play like a tabletop like game and Warhammer looked great, but like very intimidating. And I like looked at it for years. And finally I'm like, I saw, I think I was going to do Warhammer, the, um, the skirmish one. What is that? Warcry? Uh, uh, Warlords? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And instead I was like, Oh, look at this. It's superheroes. I love superheroes. I'll check this one out instead. And I hadn't played a superhero tabletop game, like since hero clicks. Oh. So, yeah, <laughs> like, and I'm talking about like original run hero clicks, like the first Marvel and the first DC sets. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't get so, that much better. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the time it was great, but like I was just coming off a of mage night and I was like, okay. That so, is like, uh, the worst bad game I've ever played. What? Hero clicks. Mm-hmm. Like it's got the bones of such a fun, amazing game and it's just monetized horribly <laughs> it didn't used to be now it is it's horrible yeah. oh my god but yeah so um i started to wrap my head around the rules actually the first videos i started watching were the gamers guild and then i fell into the house party protocol po- podcast so i started to absorb a lot and then i finally started playing in march and i've been hooked ever since this is basically played- the exact same thing that happened to me it's literally <laughs> oh, really? step for step gamers guild house party protocol <laughs> And now, over the course of the last year or so, we've actually built a pretty wide community um, in Matawan, New Jersey. So we do monthly tournaments. Uh, I've been I TO'd a tournament for PAX Unplugged last year, which I'm probably going to be doing again this year. So nice. it's just been, it's been super fun. Yeah, you're right near me, and yet I have I've, I've yet to meet you. I mean, by the year I'm close. I mean, like you're like a, an hour away. Yeah, come on. I'm not a red seal. <laughs> uh, you know, I am. I, I did actually just sign up for the August Red Seal uh, store champs for the X Wing. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to actually go. I just signed up because um, my friends told me sign up. You can always drop. 
but the, but those things uh, fill up within like two hours. True, they did. So I signed up. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go. It's very difficult for me to get out uh, over there, but I will at some point uh, after I paint all my models. <laughs> head over to Red Seal Gaming. Okay. Um, and you also have a podcast, just just like I first watched the Gamers Guild and then listened to HPP, and now I'm on a podcast. Uh, you are also on a podcast. Yes, uh, GameStar Guardians. We have a YouTube channel, and we're where you can get all your regular podcasts. Um, my main co-host has some very exciting, like about to have a baby, life issues happening. So I haven't been able to get really back into it. I've had a series of like a couple co-hosts. But we're trying to get back on a regular schedule, so it's the irregularly scheduled podcast. But yeah, I love I love just talking about MCP. So whenever I get to record, I love it. Nice, nice. So with that, I'm going to keep you talking for a bit. We're going to go into our section called "What Have You Been Playing." So okay. Will, as our guest, you get to start off and tell us what you've been playing in MCP lately. All right. Well, as you said, Weapon X. Since January, I've been like just playing Weapon X straight. And it's great, but I feel like I've squeezed every single bit of content I could out of it because every single character that came out, I'm like, oh, how do they play in Weapon X? How do they play in Weapon X? Well, the Gwenpool, by the way, fantastic in Weapon X. But um, gearing up towards the Atlantic City Open in next week, I have two lists that I'm bouncing between. One is Hellbusters, which started as a Weapon X Hellfire list with a secret, like, um, Hulkbuster leadership if I come across Brotherhood, but that didn't work out. So <laughs> there's Hellbusters, <laughs> and then I have the other list I'm working on, which my first love in the game was A-Force. So Hellaforce, which is Emma as a second leader in A-Force. That, I think that's actually pretty interesting. I think that that sounds to me like it has legs, right? Like, it seems like it would make sense. Yeah, when you want to go a little wider and you can't afford the She-Hulk, which I love She-Hulk, but six points sometimes is like... So, Emma as a second leader is still a power-generating leadership. You're healing off of it, and it allows you to go a little bit wider. So, that's I'm, right now I'm torn between those two lists on what to bring to ACL. I vote, a, I vote the A-Force list. But I like the A-Force list. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of leaning that way, too. I, ha- I have more time in with the other list, but like my A-Force list just looks more comfortable <laughs> so sure. i think that's the one i might actually gear towards i played a bunch, test it out. bunch of a force wakanda was kind of what i did and so it just makes sense to me to be able to i mean it first of all it makes sense to me because you know four threat leader to have to, to swap to somebody if you need to go for you know a little wider but also it sounds great because you know what's the difference between emma frost and Black Panther, what? Emma Frost is a woman. Now you can now you can complete your roster of only women. Oh, it's my A Force is always only women. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, that's what I used to do. But then when I had to bring in Wakanda, I had to have mm. this one person taking taking up a space in my roster, not a woman. It yeah. felt like I was cheating. It goes from an all women roster to a harem anime. I understand. Yeah, I I I feel the same way. I had like this. Deep, like in the back of my mind, idea that like maybe Sinister just needed to be played in A Force, and that was like his home. But then I was like, <laughs> but then I'm just bringing Sinister in with a bunch of women, and it just feels weird. Yeah, right. I mean, he is fabulous. Feels, but still, he 
oh, bro, there's reasons we love Sinister. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just like, ah, it just feels wrong to be like, you know what? My my dude's best home is as a Splash character and all women affiliation. Listen, I was going to download a Jane Foster Thor just to put her in A Force for a minute. Oh, that would be cool. That'd yeah. be cool. Are you are you gonna are you gonna grace us with A Force at NashCon? Um, depending on how I do at ACO, yes. Oh God, you got to do good then. Yeah. Or bad, whichever one inspires you to play it again more. I, you know what? I might bring them anyway, just because they are super fun. I'm bringing basically I'm bringing both teams to ACO, and I'm going to decide that morning which one I'm doing. <laughs> so it's, it's, I feel that it's yeah. really hard to. I feel like even at this point, it's hard to commit to anything for NashCon because I, I just feel like we're on the precipice of something, and. Yes. You know, it's been real quiet, and every time it gets real <laughs> quiet, something happens. And if something what? happens, suddenly, I mean, who am I talking about? I'm, I've, I've, every single time I'm on this podcast, I talk about different affiliations. So clearly, I don't stick with anything. But I just feel like if anything was going to like wreck, you know, change the the waves, make waves in the whole meta, that it just, I, you don't, you don't even know what you're playing anymore. Well, like, I have a tinfoil hat theory about that. Oh, yeah. go on. So it was a year ago last June where the rotation happened. Okay. So, and I, the only reason I remember it was a year ago is because it was the day I was leaving for vacation. And I looked, I'm like, damn, the first thing I have to do when I finally drive 20 hours to Florida is redo all my lists. <laughs> so I think it's going to happen this month. I think we're getting a the new rotation, the announcement for the date of the 2023 card pack with the new crisis cards. And I feel like there's a couple cards that are going to get rotated out, namely Advanced R&D. Patch up. No. Get it out of here. <laughs> uh, I, I decided I, I hate healing. <laughs> I, feel like we need, I feel like we need more than that, more than just like a rotation. Like rotation. Well, a refresh of the ban and restricted list too. So re- I, Yeah, it's been a – the ban and restricted list has been well, well overdue for some kind of – you know, sprucing. Yeah. It's, Rotate it's, out, follow me. That too. Oh my God. Can I tell you when they, when that got rotated last year, I almost cried because that was in every single one of my lists because like I was still new. I was bouncing between things. I'm like, I'm putting follow me and everything. I'm deadly doing into the guardians card into follow me into a bunch of stuff. And then it got restricted. I was like, Oh, I can't bring follow me as much as I want to anymore. I was literally playing Shadowland daredevil in the middle of a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a league, a league, and then suddenly they said, "No, this is restricted." Well, I, I guess my list is changing now. <laughs> All right, uh, and I love it. This is the chaos that I want. Bring it, yeah. AMG. Give us the chaos. Well, I, I will tell you right now, unless like something drastic changes, like I don't know, half my characters aren't allowed anymore. Uh, I'm playing Shield. Okay, yeah. I'm playing my half-painted Nick Fury Jr. Uh, I've only painted his trench coat a little bit. <laughs> Don't plan on changing that. Eye in the sky becomes restricted. Oh, my <laughs> God. Just kill me now. <laughs> hey, they did, they did ban Web Barrier last year, so. No, they rotated it out, and they it gave it banned. a shield. <laughs> who, who also does not use it. Shield has two cards in their uh, affiliation that are illegal for everyone else. Yeah. 
Med pack and web barrier. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's just this. Oh, no, no. And climbing gear because we yeah. have better climbing gear cli- too. We have a better climbing gear. That's yep. right. But it doesn't um, say climbing gear on it. So no, it's not quite the same. I mean, it doesn't say med pack. It just, it's better med pack. Oh, no, it does say med pack. Does it? It says that you a- can't bring that card and med pack. Yeah, it <laughs> does say true. that on the card, That's actually. <laughs> they, 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 they just didn't, maybe they just knew one thing, but they didn't know the other thing, you know, at the time that they had to submit copy. It's for, anyway, uh, it's probably for like unlimited play, right? Like, <laughs> speaking, speaking of what you're playing at Nashcon, Josh, what are you playing? Shield. Shield. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I I am experimenting a little bit. Um, We just got done with the HPP Cubes League uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was playing a lot of Spider Foes for that, and it was a lot of fun. Um, And I'm thinking about either carrying them on a little bit after... I'm kind of like practicing for NashCon and uh, the current online league. Um, Once those are done, I'm going to probably be looking at Midnight Suns or Foes partially because I really like Ghost Rider mm. and also partially because I bought a Mortal Hulk and he's really cool. Um, but we haven't decided yet, but right now it's just shield all shield all the time, baby. We haven't decided yet. Are you venom? <laughs> I listen. It just happens. He has to ask his podcast daddy first. Both my mm-hmm. podcast daddies. Yeah. We're a collective. We're like the living <laughs> tribunal. Oh boy. Oh boy. Wow. Now I want uh, that cosplay. Yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> that sounds cool. I I think that's that's. I love Shield, <laughs> so I, yeah. maybe maybe one day I'll go back to them. It's, I've been trying to like do other things. It's hard to quit. You, you, Eye in the Sky is a hell of a drug. Okay. It's yeah. So good. M- so mere men were not allowed to have trickster on every character. That's why it was previously printed on a god. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you, that Nick Fury's got the Infinity Formula. Oh, no, he doesn't anymore, right? It's the old one who has the Infinity Formula. He just has, like, the genetic reprint or whatever of the Something Infinity like that, Formula. Yeah. Anyway. Is that why uh, my Nick Fury Sr. is so expensive? Why he's, like, $45 for one model? Because of yeah, the Infinity Formula. Well, I mean, you're paying for three models. I mean, it's a deal. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. deal. 40, mm-hmm. $45 mm-hmm. for my three models. How much I mean, did we pay for Nick Fury Jr. in the in the Shield Grunts? Uh, 40 40 But mm. that's, that's only... Oh, yeah, you're right. That's four models. That's mm, even that's better four, deal. That's four See, people. Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. Shield, <laughs> Shield is a bunch of... Bunch of you know rock bottom prices, man. You you can get deals on your on your deal. You know what it is? You know what it is? I'm actually not gonna say that. That's bad. Don't say it. <laughs> That's one of those things I have to stop. Yeah. All right. So what I've been playing lately is um I still actually I'm still playing Spider Foes. Uh uh not doing that great with them, but I I, I find it enjoyable. Um uh, my my latest uh Revelation is that Dr. Octopus, uh, I apologize to the person I had a long drawn out debate about this with without any actual knowledge, but Dr. Octopus, not that good. <gasps> yeah, he's not that good. I disagree. He, I mean, he's good when he's good, but when he's not good, he is really not good. I feel well, like yeah. you could say that about literally anything. Yeah, like no, Bucky was shooting four five, four shots. Yeah, he's gonna stumble sometimes. I I don't think I don't even think that. I mean, yeah, but Doc Ock doesn't have the <laughs> does not it have sounds- the, the upside of of uh, of Bucky. 
Doc Ock, Doc Ock is just he doesn't have the proper power economy. He's he seems like he would be tankier, but he's really not as tanky as he appears on paper. And mm. I don't know. He so far I've put him into two games now, and he has done nothing for me. He's just been basically a tax for me to bring well laid plans and to then not be able to actually get off well laid plans because he gets dazed. Now, I I have a counter argument. Please. Are you ready? Have you considered skill issue? I mean, is it possible that I'm not that uh, (laughs) experienced with spider foes? Uh, And that could be the issue. But I just feel like there's so many options of what I could be bringing in that three spot. And I don't know why I want to bring Doc Ock, aside from the fact that he's one of the best models in the core box. I was going to say, I'll tell you why. The reason is you're using the wrong Doc Ock. You have to get the Rivals panel Doc Ock, and he's much better. I'm not spending that money. See, that's probably why I have good luck, because I modded mine to be standing up on his back feet. Oh, see, I I got the core, the Rivals panel for $30 at, on clearance, so I'm like, this is the best Doc Ock. Well, some of us aren't gifted <laughs> by the gods to have the, core, to have the Rivals panel. Some of us bought into the game at the start of the game and had to just make it up. You know, if I, if I see a Rivals panel at my store and it's on clearance, I'll pick it up. But I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not seeing it yet. I'm not, I mean, he's got like a cool throw, but it's a bit expensive and he kind of wants to spend the power and well laid plans. And if he doesn't hit wilds on his four dice, it kind of sucks. Mm. I'd rather just play Mysterio. I, I feel like maybe he'll get a little bit of a touch if something happens in June. Yeah, we'll see. If something happens, obviously, not. obviously. Yeah, maybe I'll a trench coat. <gasps> yeah, that would give him an extra thread for sure. I, well, I, Will, if oh. you ever see another Rivals panel on sale for $30, you know you know who you have to... <laughs> Listen, the store that I found it at is where I'm going Saturday. So if they have one, I will pick it up and maybe I'll bring it to Nashville for you. God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love those models. Just yeah, they're so good. Much for them. Dude, I play Core Peter just because that model's great. I love... Cor- I, I, controversial opinion... Core Peter's fine. He okay. is. Core Peter's fine. fine. Is that controversial? Core Peter's fine. I get. I feel like I get attacked <laughs> when I say such. And you know who else is fine? Who? Crossbones. I have not. I honestly have not ever put crossbones on the table just because I've never used Cabal. He's, he's I the, own Malekith. He's still in the box. He's one of the fastest characters in the game. That's Co- a lot. Crossbones is one of the fastest characters in the game, as proven by myself to Rich Mid Gaming. I called him out and I made him made him make a follow-up video to his fastest characters videos. One of my crowning achievements. Nice. Uh, also, one of the I think top five characters in the core box. Like model or just character? Yes. <laughs> wow. Uh I mean that's not saying too much. The core box isn't exactly full of a bunch of winners either. So it's got Baron Zemo and Cap. I'm and well, Iron Man. Baron Zemo and Iron Man agreed. And Captain Marvel's real good in A4. Yeah, you're right. Not bad in A Force. Uh, and then, but, but I mean, it it drops off pretty much. <laughs> well, the the ledge starts with crossbones and it goes downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying like the whole box is full of you know trash, but it's it's like they they they, they did a touch up and it's still it's like didn't oh, it didn't really touch it up too much. I do. Let, let, let's be fair. 
I think the the characters they touched up, the characters aren't the problem. It's the things they're allowed in that are the problem. And mm. then also the other options allowed in there. Cause like Ultron's probably fine in a world where you can't just also take the good four threat cabal characters. True. Yeah. But there's so many great four threats. So there's <laughs> too yeah. many great four threats. Anyway. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of Ultron, we're gonna go into our main topic. <laughs> and that is gonna be swing turns. So as I said at the top of the episode, this we've been doing sort of this these deep dives into various aspects of the game because we've kind of felt that, you know, sometimes it we speak kind of vaguely in general terms when we just talk about, you know, turn zero and turn one and roster construction and what we wanted to give a deep dive of what what our thoughts are what what do we bring about it what 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 is our mentality when trying to execute these important things like a lot like everyone talks about turn you know zero what am i supposed to do during turn zero and they don't really go into any detail about what their strategies are what their mentalities are so we wanted to and it's so crucial because that's the thought process that i feel a lot of people when they focus on all these different stages is uh, they make mistakes because they're not thinking about how do I win games through these very important aspects. And we've done roster construction, we've done turn zero, and we've done turn one. And despite what I said on our last episode of turn one, we're not doing turn two and turn three. We We are now moving to swing turns. Uh, and the idea uh, that I'm going to try and posit out there, but feel free to expand after I say this, is the idea is that when you're doing a swing turn, it's sort of a turn in the game when you are essentially trying to lock down the game in your favor so that either it's usually through some kind of like VP or attrition-oriented uh, strategy in a given round that would then allow you to make it so past the pale that your opponent will not be able to climb back and win this game. Does that sound about right? Um, I don't know. For me, when I think of a swing turn, I think of it as there is a, a turn where like one person, I, I, I lost my thought. Well, Will, why don't you start off? What do you think of what you think of a swing turn? All right, no problem. Um, well, for me, playing coming off of a recent like just attrition-heavy faction, it's, okay, how many models can I daze slash KO in this round, and how many objectives can I take from that in order to heavily weigh the game in my favor? Yeah, uh, that's perfect. I mean... I was playing um, as when I was playing Asgard. I would say, so I would think similarly that I had usually I try to get an, uh, an extract advantage through the course of the game, and then on my swing turn, usually it actually coincided with my Doom Prophecy turn. It would be a turn where I would try and just annihilate and control annihilate characters so they lose activations, control VPs. Uh, so that I would go up on VPs at such a great number that the uh, my opponent, 
in the following round, which is not be able to either catch up or I would be in control of so many of the extracts at this point that they would have to peel off too many extracts and they have to go through too much effort. Not that it's impossible for them to win at this point, but the 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 odds are significantly against them because now they have to take more desperate measures in order to try to catch up from this explosion of Valkyrie dazing like three models in a turn and then everyone gobbling up all the extracts from there. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh, yeah. I don't mine's not like too much different. The, the way I kind of see the 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 swing turn is um if you ever heard the Danger Rooms episode on becoming the beatdown or who is the beatdown? It's a gaming concept. Uh essentially one person is the control player. They are the ones who are currently in control of the vehicle, which is the win condition of the game. And if the game continues as is, they will win. And the beatdown is a player who identifies that they are like going to have to step it up and do something different. And the, if the game keeps going as is, they lose. Yeah. So for me, it's sort of when that role has been established already. So one person is the control and one person is the beatdown. Mm. And the beatdown, it's like before... Before the game, the vehicle runs off the cliff and it's over, effectively, the beatdown has to have that turn where they can swing it back in their favor. Uh, and that's, to me, the swing turn. The, the point before you go, you drive over the edge and, and the game is gone. Um, and that can be like, you know, dazing a bunch of characters. It could be, I mean, it could literally be just as simple as you pushed one guy off a point at like the key time and that swung two points in your favor. And that could be enough to swing the swing that entire game back into your favor. And now momentum is back on your side. Uh, of course, if the game doesn't end, there can be multiple swing turns, right? Correct. <laughs> As you wrestle back and forth, that's one of the best things about this game. But uh, that that's to me what it is. It's uh, the turn where something has to happen for the, for the beat down player or they lose. I think that's right. And, and it's also a good point about, that there could be multiple uh, swing turns. It's something that we have uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later on. But um, there is not just this game is a game of of a of a rubber band mechanic. It's just inherent in the game. So that if you swing maybe too early, that swing turn could end up resulting that you have a you get swung right back at you. That hurts. That does hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, let's let's talk a little, just a little bit more into this. Uh, so, Will, when you're executing your swing turns for you personally, what what are you trying to accomplish during that during that turn? On the turn where I sense I have to like turn the hat backwards, like Stallone and over the top, I'm trying to just put as much in my favor as I can. Whether it be like, all right, I have to knock these three off the secures whether by throwing them or by just straight up killing them. It's it's having to get the most you can out of your limited amount of activations you have in a round. Go on. What do you mean? So let's say you're playing Hammers, Hammers Infinity Formula. So there's four Hammers on the map, four Infinity Formula. So you're going to keep parity if you just keep going two and two. You have to do something to propel that momentum in your favor so that you either 
get a lead on the Secures by just running up to their Bs and throwing them off the points. They might still have the Hammers, but now you're at least up two points. So you might be at the start of the swing turn at that point because now you're like, okay, I got the Secures. Now I got to get the Extracts. Or on those Magical Christmas turns, when you have that one guy holding two Extracts and they're on a point, if you can K's or Day-O, wow. (laughs) Days or (laughs) K-O, you're getting three points. So, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty hefty, especially if you're looking at round three or four. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Josh, how about you? What are you looking to accomplish? So my answer is going to be a little bit different because um, I have, since the day I was born, played Shield. And Shield, <laughs> uh, Shield approaches swing turns a little bit differently since the affiliation is built to basically not rely on a swing turn if they are the beatdown. Uh their mechanics sort of encourage you to always be nipping on the heels of the other character, uh, the other character, the other player. Um, and then your job is to just mitigate their swing turn uh, as they try to, cause you're, you're slowly building momentum over multiple rounds and your swing turn is usually the one you win the game with. You usually go, okay, I'm, I'm two points down. Um, and now I have built so much momentum. I'm going to score six points this round and win. Um, at least that's typically how those, or, or you're ahead and you just build as, you stay as the control player. And again, you're mitigating swing turns. So typically for me coming at it from that angle, it's trying to constantly identify my opponent's win condition. Like what is my opponent trying to accomplish right now, this round that's going to make them win in two more or next round. Um, and then responding if I can. Um, are they going to run away? Well, then I need to send a guy there or I need to meet that person there or corral that person somewhere else. Um, or is it, they're going to bring swing this guy in wide and then beat my back line in. Well, then I need to either leave <laughs> and just not give them the opportunity and take something else or, uh, uh, blast them before they can get there and just like hold that swing turn off for as long as possible. So you, you like a late swing. Yeah, I like to I like to be trying to set it up for me or set it up so that my opponent doesn't have the opportunity to get it. So for me, um, I feel like for me, when I'm looking for that swing, my swing turn tends to be more extract focused. That I, I, I kind of feel that extracts kind of, I mean, the secures kind of, take the shape of the game where the where the fighting is going to go but the extracts are kind of that what pushes over the edge in terms of scoring and so when i think of a swing turn i'm usually trying to think of myself trying to who do i need to to daze and take their extract or KO and take their and take their extract so that at the end of this turn, my goal is that I have more extracts than you do and that my extracts are going to be harder to come off than, you know, in the following rounds and preferably coupling that as well with some, you know, since I'm dazing people secure advantage so that I'm going up, you know, like an ideal swing turn for me would be like, I'm just going to go up like 6-1. Uh, 
or something yeah. like that on yeah. on my opponent on that turn so that I'm just sitting there with just two VPs away the next turn or two or three VPs away and then all I have to think about for the next round is just all right for the next round I just need to activate in a fashion that allows me to score two and prevents them from scoring however many they need to score in order to tie or surpass me and usually that results in me just running to the corners of the board with like a or something <laughs> boo yeah <laughs> like a true champion like a true <laughs> well, you know what you know what when you a lot of times with these when sometimes when you watch, read these comic book stories they just gotta get out you know they get they get the heroes they get their they get the civilians and they just gotta escape you know get the, get them away from the danger I'm you know, pretty sure that's typically when they're losing, though. They retreat to fight another day. Right. right? But, and, the, and the Avengers come back stronger. Not <laughs> <laughs> this this fool, this Red Skull buffoon across the table can't possibly catch my black cat if I double move and, and uh, grappling hook over into the very corner of the board over here. <laughs> Well, you yeah. know, if the if that thing that they're trying that the bad guy's trying to get is an infinity gem, then black cat double moving and scrappling hooking to the corner of the board means that the bad guy doesn't get the infinity gem, the world is saved. No, I'm pretty sure the problem is they try to use the infinity gem or something or they try to keep fighting and then the bad guy gets the infinity gem anyway and then they run away. Right. Well, point Both sound right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all, all I know is that anytime, uh, anytime like that situation comes up for me where someone does it because it happens, someone has to run because that's just how you're going to yep. win. Is I always think of the Monty Python Sarab and ran away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Usually it's Brave Sir Toad. Brave Sir Toad. That's true. Man, I haven't seen Toad in a long time. Maybe, maybe the crisis changes work. Anyway, he's in my, he's in my Hellbusters list. Huh. Okay, so. We talked about this briefly before, but uh, let's touch on this now. So a lot of times, swing turns, when they're in the middle of the game, can result as dazing and KOing models. And then the rubber band mechanic in the game is that when you daze and KO most of the time, that means those models come back back with a boatload of energy. Uh, And then they're able to swing back. So starting with you, Josh, especially because you have a different opinion on this, when do you think is the ideal round to do your swing turn in order to minimize the potential swing back? I think it's it's usually going to be crisis dependent, right? So if you're on like Demons and Montesi and you're like six points back and forth, like you're probably not going to, you're probably going to take a while to, to win that game. So in that case, it's probably gonna be like round four is when you're looking to swing to either get the win or just catapult yourself into uh, an unstoppable control position. Um, But I think in a lot of other ones or something even like, um, like scoundrels and spider infected where there's 10 points on the board, it could be as early as turn two or three, uh, depending on how it's happening, what the matchups looking like. Um, but like I would say on a typical game, it's going to be round three or four. Three, four is where a lot of games seem like they end uh, if they're close, right? Um, and then three is probably the most pivotal, pivotal, pivotal uh, turn 
if you're going to be uh, trying to swing the game back in your favor. Yeah, that makes sense. The the crisis, the crisis shaping that obviously, and and being aware of that, and being also aware of what your opponent might be thinking the same thing. Because one thing that I think catches a lot of people off guard is like paranoia, which is doesn't feel like it should be that fast a scoring crisis. It's four extracts. Hammers is four extracts, but hammers doesn't always feel like it's a fast scoring extract, but. It is a very fast scoring, and I think people get thrown off, and I think that that sometimes can be utilized as an advantage for an early round swing turn when people aren't expecting it, and then suddenly the game has gotten out of hand. And I'm glad you brought up hammers because I feel like um, the two that have like the most swingy potential are hammers and cubes. Mm-hmm. Hammers because the better, the more you have, the more likely you are to be, you know, one shotting people or putting people down and limiting those options for comeback. Um, And with like cubes, it's the exact opposite. The more you have, the more potential your opponent can start coming back uh, just because you're taking that damage. Um, So you also have to be careful on, on, on situations like that, that you're not accidentally handing your opponent too many resources to come back. Like maybe picking up three cubes on toad seems really good right this second because it's going to score you a bunch of points, but then he's going to pop, right? And then three cubes are going to be on the ground and your opponent has priority. So they're going to pick up three cubes and run to a corner. Uh, so maybe it's better to leave your toad alive on one or two instead. I mean, they're still going to pick him up and run to the corner, but at least you have a guy and he can go do something else this round and you get to keep that one point. Well, that's also another good point there. And it's, it's, it's exacerbated with, um, cubes because of the nature of the, the you taking damage for holding the extracts but when you execute that uh, that swing turn and you get all those cubes where you put those extracts is i think important mm-hmm. and if you just load up like i i played a game and it was just hammers and somebody came and they they had their big swing turn and they put four hammers on their Bucky. And that allowed me to have a follow-up swing turn where I just took out Bucky and then I was able to just, you know, pinata all the hammers <laughs> all over the yeah. board so that it wasn't, it was the, the, the advantage went back in my favor because they put all their eggs in that one basket and that basket only had five health. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite hammer games where they are all four on one character and everyone that that just keeps getting passed around like a hot potato. Oh, yeah. The swinging loop pinata. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think another one you mentioned paranoia. I think another interesting one to think about um, is still gamma. Uh, old gamma, especially. Uh, yes. Was much faster than you think a three secure should be. But even like modern gamma. Like what are two good scores on your opponent's base is still something that can take you by surprise and still something that can swing a game if you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Will? What are your, uh, what are your thoughts about when you, when do you, when do you want to, when do you want to swing? Well, coming from a more attrition side of it, um, I try to swing usually 
And around two, I'd like to set it up to the beginning of round three. So I kind of agree with what Josh said as far as that goes. That seems to be the, the good time because, yeah, I'll, especially since the crisis changes, a lot of games end by turn three or four. It's just the way it's been. And Paranoia is ultra fast. I had that in my Weapon X list when I first started playing it. And, like, I started off good with it, and then I just got my, like, lunch handed to me by X-Men one time. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, round two, you have ten points. Great. (laughs) So, usually you want to start setting up, like, two and three, at least in my my experience. Right. What do you mean by setting up? So, one thing, if you execute the swing turn too early, the swing back is going to hurt. So there's been times where I either don't daze or KO a model to get the extract off and I leave them on one, or I KO or daze too many models in one turn. And then the next turn they have destroyed my entire team, have all the extracts and have run away. Right. So setting up the swing turn is very important. And Marvel Dice being Marvel Dice... Sometimes like, oh, I'm just going to roll this five dice strike and get eight hits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'm going to roll a seven dice strike and get one. So you can't can't rely on saying, oh, I'm just going to leave this person on one. Yeah. At the at the time when you're just like, I am going to attack this person. However, it it is something that I don't it is a very uh, clever thing that you're bringing up that. I don't think a lot of people get at when they first start playing Marvel Crisis Protocol, which is that sometimes you get those options where you're like, oh, especially when you have rerolls available to you mm-hmm. of do I want to try to push to today's or do I want to not do that damage? And I think that most people think, oh, I want to push to days. And that's not necessarily the right call. So a lot of times, and Sooner does this all the time. It's so frustrating. He always gets this, where on like one turn, he'll leave like two or three of my models on like one to two health, so that in the next turn, I I, I can't do much about it. Everyone is yeah. just ready to fall over. Yeah, and then like in those instances where you do leave them on one and you wanted to daze them, now your character is in a position where he's just about to get smacked. Yes. Yes, because usually when you daze somebody, you're right next to them. Yeah. <laughs> Unless your name is X-23 and you claw rush and you run away. Right. <laughs> but even running away, you know, she only gets she only got a medium move away. Yeah, that's true. And most, a lot, not most, but a lot of models in this game, especially a lot of models that people like to play, have some kind of movement shenanigans where they can get, to, get a medium move away close enough to deal some damage. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you mentioned like having the option to leave someone on one point and like using rerolls and like abilities. Nothing makes you feel like more of an evil super genius when like you go, you know what? I'll reroll my hit. So I do less damage or you know what? I'll reroll that block. So you do more damage Yep. for like whatever the reason may be. And and your punish is like, why? And then a turn later, they're like, Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, it's like the equivalent of pulling your punch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 
specifically like doing a, a light punch to set up for the like the I don't I don't I don't know boxing terms. The the st- I thought you were going with Street Fighter. No, I don't. I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> I was just like the one where you the one where you come from the side. What is that called? Haymaker. A haymaker. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 one of the best models in the game does has a haymaker, right? Yep. <laughs> top half of the top fifty percent, baby. Oh That's not a failing grade. <laughs> no, uh, pr- pretty sure 60 percent is failing. Uh, no, anything below sixty percent. Excuse you. Okay, so the so let's 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 so so we know I and I, I feel the same way. Just you know, I've kind of set my own two cents on each of your opinions on what round, but I feel the same way. It's very crisis dependent, but it tends to be. I tend to like to think of my swing turns to be essentially the round before the end of the game mm-hmm. in my mind that the game is going to end the next round, unless I'm playing something like shield where I'm trying to do a big swing at the end. Um, that's what I'm trying to think of because if I do it on round two, and this is probably going to be a four or five round game, I think that swing turn on round two is not going to be not going to it's not going to last it's not going to stick and the point of the swing turn is for for you to essentially set up to win so that's a great point uh breaking it down that you made will of breaking it down that you have like let's say if you wanted round three to be the the swing turn so that means round four you want the you're thinking round four i want this game to end round three i want my swing turn round two i'm setting up my swing turn so, exactly. Will, give me some examples of you, your own swing turns that you do, how you execute them, any standout models or cards that you're using to accomplish that swing. What What do you do personally with what with your teams to do swing turns? Um, there's been a couple of them. My one of my favorite ones. I I want to say I was playing you, but I'm not positive. Um, I know Will watched the game for part of it, and I was losing two to ten in like round two and I was using weapon X. I don't remember who I was playing. I, like I said, it could have been you might not have been you. Probably not me. I don't think you ever beat me. <laughs> oh, listen. Well, maybe, maybe I did. Hey, I know I haven't beat Merzine cause I only played him once and it was like my third game on TTS. So that was a long time ago, but, um, so I was losing two to 10 in round two. I'm like, okay, it's time to hit the kill switch. So I basically just had Logan and X 23 run up both flanks, and at the end of the round, I somehow had every single secure, every single extract, and I won the game 16 to 10, I think, by the time round four came around. Mm. So Logan has proved to be... Logan and Apex Sabretooth have both proved to be excellent models in helping with swing turns, because in the early days of Weapon X, when I had Lockjaw in there, who seems to be the new problem child that everybody keeps putting with all those, their lists. Even if we were playing on Gamma, Logan may not be able to interact with the back Gamma after he uses Gotta Get Some Air, but he's in your back line, and now what are you going to do? Throw him so, off. Well, not if he's the last activation. Fair enough. Yeah. And, yeah, throw him off. He has a range, a range three place. So he's back there, and... In the early days of Weapon X, a lot of people were not expecting that. So honestly, that's where I thrived. Because I'm like, oh yeah, you didn't know you could do this? Bop, bop, bop. And he's he's already eliminated like your Wong on the back point, And now you have to deal with him while the rest of my team is coming up the front. Not Wong. 
Yeah. Well, listen, I, Wong needs a better model. That's all I'm saying. I've seen him do some stuff in the MCU. He needs more than just a strike. He's yeah. a Sorcerer Supreme. One day, on a long you, enough timeline. You say that, but uh, my Wong strikes have done some impressive things. I finished <laughs> off a. I finished off a Hulk one time. I took out nice. a Thor. I took out. I one shot a Thor with a with a Wong. Hey, my! I did. I killed a Malekith with a Toad one time, and it was glorious. It was. I loved it. <laughs> wow, you one shot a Malekith? Fantastic. No, not one shot, but like I at least finished them off. <laughs> But um, like this week, I was playing a game against Mike, who's my sometimes co-host on the podcast, and X23 wound up dazing three of his models in one turn. Just, again, Marvel dice, but it did swing the game a little bit in my favor. I ultimately, again, as we said, sometimes that door swings back, and X23 was in a very terrible spot, and she just got murdered. But that happens sometimes, especially if you're playing a very attrition-focused team. Sure. Of course. What I'm hearing is uh, the swing turn is like a revolving door, and if you push it open too hard, it's going to hit you on the butt. Oh, absolutely. One that really pops... So I already mentioned the Asgard, um, I'm ahead kind of swing turn where I doom prophecy, I murder a bunch of people, and then there's just not enough models on the board left to, left for them to interact. I gobble up a bunch of extracts and take secures. I already mentioned that one, but from behind, one thing, one matchup that really stands out to me, and this is a old crisis, but the point is still valid, um, was I was playing A-Force, and I was going up against a very skillful uh, Wakandan player, Um, like incredibly, like one of the best Wakandan players uh, that I've that I've ever faced off against, and he is a better player than me. But in this specific game, I was losing by a significant margin, like something like eight points. I was losing, and in that turn, I knew I needed to do something. This is an old crisis, and it was all all or nothing uh, crises points, and I needed to be able to just remove his ability to do things. And my way of doing it was taking Medusa. And having her hop right in the middle of where his where his models are, and then just go to town, kill all the models, displace the ones that didn't matter, follow me into another into another attack so, so that I can go in and then uh, either further displace the, the that model or remove it at the so that at the end of that t- round or towards the end of that round, I had three models still to activate and they had no models left because they all had dazed. And then I scooped up a bunch of VPs at that point into my favor. I got control over the meteors. I had control over the researcher and I swung the points back into my favor. And at that point with all those models dazed, especially as a Wakandan, Black Panther was a lot easier to take out in the following turn, and they had all their power, but they couldn't. That the player couldn't crawl back. The next turn, he couldn't take back the points, the the meteors. He couldn't get the researcher back, and he wasn't able to win the game. And that was just pu- based off of pure Medusa murder. Mm. And that's some. And that was crawling back. That's the the beatdown, as Josh said. 
where you just need to make an, an, an amazing splash. And Medusa, especially back then, was a model who could do that very easily. Yeah, I was playing after Medusa already got changed. Oh, you missed the glory days. I did. Where you attack somebody and then you double push them away. Yikes. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> then you double pushed. Wow. Yeah, you do two attacks and then I was like, oh, I guess I didn't kill you. So now I'll just send you off to the corner of the board. To Narnia with you. Yes. Uh, don't forget, she's got she had a, a very easy flurry to proc, so she was able to basically <laughs> do that again. Wow, it's beautiful. It beautiful. All right, I have I have thought All I right. have been racking my brain, and I have remembered. Uh, pre-show, we talked a little bit about um, fighting games, so I'm going to tell you. I'm going to recount this tale of a swing turn uh, where I got the perfect read. Okay, uh, this is against Kenny. Um, He'll love that I'm talking about this again, by the way. Uh, he absolutely adores when we talk about this. Um, but he was winning. He's playing Black Order. I don't remember all the characters involved. I was playing Avengers. Uh, the important players are his Supergiant and his Proxima Midnight and my Toad and my Captain America. Uh, and he'd, he'd been in control of for most of the game. It had been pretty rough for me. It was really hard for me to like really bust through and do damage and get points where I need to. Every time I got something, he'd take it back. Um, so we hit a point where I don't remember. I think it was intrusions. Um, it's either intrusions or old deadly meteors or something that was a C objective. Um, and I, I guess hammers, maybe hammer sounds fine, but an, an objective where you could pick up multiple extracts, I believe. And proximate picked up one or two, and ran to my deployment because he felt like it was further away from my characters where they stood. And she was safe from everyone. No one could, everyone had to double move to her this turn to have a chance to attack her next round. Um, and I believe he was going to win that round if I couldn't do something. And Supergiant was on the middle point. Um, and there was no way I was going to kill her. Because it's super giant. She's annoying. Right. Um, but I had two characters left to activate. I had Toad and I had Cap. And um, this is why I always keep quiet when people are playing games. Because uh, I had one of my friends um, who was saying, why don't you just like scoop? There's no way you can win this. Like there's just mathematically not a way you can win. I'm just like, shut up. Like, well, I'm just going to play it out. You know, I'm just going to play it out. See what happens. You know, it might be fun. And deep in my mind, I was a, uh, I was setting up, right? Um, so I move Toad up. I know I can't get the point in the middle, so I don't go to the middle. I think I think it was Meteors, and I roll for it at range two and don't get it. And I'm like, oh, dang, that sucks. I really needed that. And he's on top of a dumpster within two of cap, uh, which is very important. So... Kenny doesn't need to do anything. He just wins. But Kenny, as I predicted, makes an attack on me. Because <laughs> I knew he could not resist. Toad is right there. Why, why, why not hit Toad? It's not going to change anything. Uh, and what I did was I bodyguarded onto Cap like any, you know, I, I put him within two of Cap. But then I did escort to safety with Toad. Oh. I knew he was never going to attack Cap. So I escort to safety with Toad, pull 
Uh, which, for reference on how this is all set up, Super Giant's on the left, Toad is in the middle, Cap is on the right. So I pulled him closer to Super Giant, but also closer to my deployment zone at that angle. And he said, okay, I'll attack you. You've got cover. I did like two damage or whatever. And I went, hold on. I'm going to fall back <laughs> a little bit further away, but a little bit closer to my deployment zone. <laughs> He's like, okay, I don't see what that does, but I'll pass. I go, great. Cap makes a single move towards my deployment zone. And look at that. I'm just barely within four of Proxima Midnight. I toss a shield and I one shot her. Oh, wow. And that was the, I believe that was the KO. So I could, I wasn't close enough to pick him up, but he didn't win. And I had like enough points on the ground for next round. Nice. Nice. And, um, the guy who was like, I can't, I don't see how you're going to win. Was like, Oh, Oh, I see. And I was like, yeah, I wanted you to shut up. <laughs> I didn't want you to say anything because I didn't want to spook him. <laughs> Which is a testament to uh, always play for your outs. You're always in the game, uh, even when you feel like you're not. Um, and uh, why, uh, Kenny, uh, I'm better than you. I love you. Wow. Well, playing to your outs is definitely a topic that we're going to bring up in a, a future uh uh, stages of the game episode but it's 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 definitely there i mean and and you know th- these topics sometimes blend into each other but sometimes your swing turn is just you gotta play her out sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta just roll the hard six as mm-hmm. it would be um yep. but also sometimes you just it's a delicate thing because you also have to be aware that you sometimes don't need to roll the hard six sometimes you don't need to attack the toad you can just try and find what is the what is the optimal easiest path to victory, not necessarily just well. I have this action. Why don't I do it? Yeah, that's a problem I have because like I like to fight. I like to roll the dice, and I'm like, I shouldn't attack. I know I shouldn't attack, but eh, what could happen? And then I lose. I I think that's a good point. Like a good um, topic for another cast would be like choosing your targets and your attacks because like something I've, especially now that I've been playing shield and your attacks are so important is like, I constantly think about uh, for better or for worse sometimes, like what is this attack going to get me? Mm-hmm. And is it going to benefit me more than my opponent? Cause sometimes you kind of go, well, I need to do four damage to daze them. And if I do anywhere between one and three damage, I just hurt myself. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so we just won't. Well, yeah, I, I, I've had many people watch my games and especially with shield and they're like, you missed your got your back trigger. And I'm like, did I, did I really? I don't think that I did <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> you just look at it and say, it's not worth the attack. You're probably gifting them power and it's not worth it. And I know this is like slightly off what we were talking about, but you know what actually helped me with realizing when to attack and when not to attack is for a couple weeks, I switched to Web Warriors from Weapon X. And they are the almost exact opposite of Weapon X. So it's like it was fighting those urges to fight because I'm like, okay, I know if Ghost Spider gets 
breathed on the wrong way. She's going to die. So let me not do that. Let me keep her safe and pull other people to safety. So that kind of helped me learn when to, like, not attack. And, by the way, I did remember who I played in that one game. It was Brian Freddy. Because I was sitting here, I'm like, I know. See, I, I told you it wasn't me. <laughs> I knew that it wasn't me. It doesn't, didn't sound like a game that happened to me. No, anyway. Brian Freddy. Brian Freddy. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that really did help me to, like, more figure out, okay, what am I going to get out of this attack if I attack? Is it smart to attack? Right. And and it does play into your swing turn as well mm-hmm. to to keep it on topic because it, it is important because when you're plotting out your swing turn, it's not just I'm going to attack at abandon and then hope it all works out. You need to have a plan yeah. for what you're, when you're looking at the board state and you're saying, well, I'm going to probably be attacking people this turn. Most swing turns involve some level of attacking. And you need to not just attack this person because this person has an extract. I need to get extracts. It can't always be as simple as that. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, here is one person who has an extract and they're at full health. This other person over there has two health. Maybe, so I need to activate my models in a fashion that I'm able to take advantage of what the board state is. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then there's no reason to attack that full health character with damage reduction who's holding on to an extract because you're probably just going to give them power so that they can then use their spender to yeet you to someplace else and ruin your swing turn plan. Mm-hmm. So because no matter what, Whatever you're doing, your opponent is trying to stop it. And in as that as our segue, let's put us on the other side of the token. And you need to prevent a swing turn because it's not just you as the player who is needs to do swing turns. Your opponent also needs to do swing turns. And let's say, for example, you're ahead and you're you know that the swing turn is going to happen. You know that they have to do a swing turn, otherwise, this game is already over. So we'll start with you, Josh. Um, mm-hmm. What do you do? What kind of tactics do you employ to prevent yourself from being dominated from this impending doom? Well, I'm going to attack this again from the uh, the shield angle, right? So uh, for those who don't know, shield has like the silliest leadership. Uh, <laughs> but the one that you really have to be aware of is that if I'm down on points, if you kill my guy, I get a point. Um, so typically for me, uh, it's every turn or every round I'm looking at, is this the round that I can go up on points? If the answer is no, it's I need to be within one. Because when I'm not down on points, I get a different uh, leadership. And the, the point can only trigger once per turn or once per round. Turn and round, it's all the same. Yeah, it's not the same. In the infinite of the universe, uh, we will never, the difference is meaningless. Sorry, I'm getting a a call from Thoris and the Goldar. It's not the same. It's not the same. (laughs) But but you'll accidentally hear me use them interchangeably, apparently. Uh, Like the, the entire goal of the shield affiliation is it's okay if I'm a point down because I'll get that point when you try to stop me from stopping you from winning. 
Um, and that's basically it. It's just identifying like, what is my opponent going to do this round? And what do I need to do to stay a point down? <laughs> and uh, when I figured that out, it, you know, it may be like we've talked about, like setting up someone to be days next turn or next round. Um, setting up, you know, hey, I left that guy on one. Do I really need to use Bucky's second action to finish him? Or can I walk over here instead and take, take this point? Or should I shoot this other guy um, and let Bullseye finish him off? Or another, if, you know, stopping a swing turn sometimes and even using a swing turn is using my Helios laser correctly. Uh, do I use it to come back or do I hold it? Like my opponent is going to try to catapult next round. Do I use it now to really kill that guy so he can't utilize him to counter swing me? Well, I feel like shield is like a perfect example that specifically that shield leadership. It's like a perfect example of swing turns in mind in that both sides of the leadership are kind of designed to prevent a swing turn as best as possible towards to diminish it, which is probably why shield games tend to be so close and feel like they're, that you're always playing the game because you have one side that if you're ahead, then they're trying to you know push you off points, you know through attacks or such, and then the leadership prevents that from happening. So it's kind of trying to diminish the chances of you stealing those secure points. But also you have, as you said, the other side that if you're down, and then somebody tries to daze one of your models in their swing turn, then you get that VP up so that you're always able to just diminish the swing turn as uh, even if it's just a little bit, it's, it's still, it's just a little tool, a little feather in the cap to try to diminish the swing turns efficacy. Yeah. I think that there's any, any affiliation in the game that is the primary argument for not having, um, what is it? The, uh, the difference in points, what's it called? Uh, margin of victory margin of victory is like a, uh, as a tiebreaker or a main tiebreaker because they, they thrive on being right neck and neck with you. Like I said, like of any affiliation, I feel most comfortable sitting right behind you in points with, uh, with shield constantly. Let me, let me be behind you. That's fine. Shield and if I'm ahead, I'm just feeling good. Shield is the most thrilling, uh, affiliation to watch play because it's the only one that feels dramatic like a movie because it's always excitement happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it's interesting when your opponent has to say, I really need to daze your guy. So he doesn't daze me, but I don't want to give you the victory point and I don't know which is better or worse. Right. And then you layer in all the other things that shield has like eye in the sky that someone starts their swing turn. Like, well, I'm going to start my swing turn and I'm going to hit that Doom Prophecy, and I'm going to need that Valkyrie to kill someone, and then Valkyrie Warrior of Legends to go and kill someone, and then they say, no, nah, try and kill somebody else. Yeah, and it's weird because like when you think of a swing turn, a lot of people think of like a big change in the board state, like maybe two or three people get dazed, or maybe you push a bunch of people off points, or you, know, you pick up a bunch of advantage. But I find a lot of my uh, shield swing turns for and against me involves like, Someone just didn't die or uh, like one small action changes the course of the rest of the game. 
with yeah. the shield games. So I'm not looking, usually I'm not looking to start something crazy. I'm looking to mitigate like, Hey, I see you're trying to bring Thor over here and, uh, come in on me. Well, uh, I'm going to set up some bait and then when I'm going to make sure Nick Fury has three power and he's not going to be dazed by the time you try to go for it. And when you try to four Asgard, I'll eye in the sky. So you don't get to do the stagger. Uh, maybe you don't have any more targets and now I get to do all the things I wanted to do on the next round. Yep. I feel like they're one of the weirdest to talk about this topic just because it's so much different than everyone else's. Well, it's important to come at it from multiple angles as well. Oh yeah. It's not a bad. It's just weird because the vast majority of the game will look at it from a very different perspective. Mm. Speaking of that other perspective, well, what about you? What do you do to try to prevent swing turns? I was just going to say that like, we're probably the two best people to have on here for this. Cause he's like, being all sneaky and I'm just like, all right, how do I prevent my guys from dying and getting all the points? <laughs> so <laughs> I played shield for about four months before I started playing weapon X and I love shield, but those games are so butt clenchingly close that I'm like, my blood pressure is rising, but that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. Um, so usually when I'm trying to prevent the swing turn is when my swing turn failed and I know I'm about to be in a lot of pain. So one thing to do is definitely prioritize your target. Like who is going to put the who potentially can put the most hurt on you at that moment? Mm-hmm. Because if you've nearly dazed somebody or accidentally dazed somebody and they're about to come back at you, you're like, okay, I have exceptional healing to maybe prevent one big attack on me if it happens. Um, if they're going to displace me, do I have a way to get back? Can I displace them before they displace me? Um, because one of the things I definitely learned with Weapon X is, yeah, there's a lot of guys on the board, a lot of, a lot of potential swing turns in both sides of the board. Cause I tended to play, um, bees cause I like having, um, the B shape cause I have two different fights that I could focus on. So while stuff's happening over here, I'm thinking about what's happening over here, but I tried to give my opponent difficult choices. Because if they chose wrong, I might be able to prevent something worse on the other side. So being aware of the board state is like instrumental into preventing that swing turn or that swing back, whatever is coming your way. Because you're hoping they make the wrong choice, at least in my in my experience. Like, please go after X-23 who has Honey Badger next to her so Logan can throw your guy away. <laughs> like on the other side of the board. I, at that point... It's like kicking into survival mode. So you're like, what targets do I need to avoid, throw away, or just hope to survive? And if that works, now you're like, okay, I can mitigate this the best that I can. So it sounds to me, when I hear that, it sounds like you can see that they probably have a plan. They're probably going to try and swing the, the game in their favor. And you're trying to present them with, whatever manner of you're trying to present them with decisions to either it's temptations or puzzles or what, what have you in order to make it so that their plan doesn't seem as clear, either doesn't seem as clear cut or maybe they feel like, Oh, maybe I can do this too, get a little greedy. Maybe I can, maybe I can, maybe my plan isn't working exactly how I want it to. And then they get flustered, you know, whatever, avenue that they can then come 
come off course of whatever that plan is to disrupt that plan as best as possible so that they make bad decisions yes like what josh said sometimes the best thing to do when you're playing somebody and you're at that point of the game is just shut your mouth because you gotta let them figure it out and like i've had so many people say to me i see my two options and both of them are bad i don't know which is worse yeah and that's where it's like okay i have you exactly where you need to be please make the wrong decision (laughs) and it makes you feel really good when you're like i know which one is worse and i hope you pick it and then they do and you're like yes exactly it makes you feel worse when you know which one is worse and then they pick the right one and you're like yeah and then it weren't then they fail and you're like yes (laughs) (laughs) exactly just on that razor's edge of of being great or just being sad I mean, that's where the game is the best, right? Where yes. you're sitting there and you're, you're like, I see what you could do. I see the Matrix right now. Do you see the Matrix? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. You see the Matrix. Darn <laughs> it. Oh, but you failed me seeing the Matrix. You, you failed at it because you're dice. Yay. Oh. You know, just yeah. all the yep. highs and lows. And then at the end, you are either celebra- celebrating or just wondering, if only they just didn't get that wild. Yeah. I love this game, man. I love this. I love that that stuff happens all the time. Uh, so, so I think about covers up most of our, our our talk about swing turns. Is there anything else that either of you want to say? Any b- bit of advice about swing turns before we sw- flip over to listener questions? I think I'm good. I think we've pretty much covered everything we need to cover. I, I don't know if I mentioned it. Uh, I know I've been thinking about it, but something to keep in mind too with swing turns, I, I kind of touched on it was like, you know, maybe your swing turn can be as little as a guy not dying or one person or double moving to a very particular point. Um, swing turns don't have to, I think it's important to know swing turns don't have to be flashy. We want it to be because it's a superhero game. Mm-hmm. But it right. doesn't have to be. It just has to be something that gets you that advantage that you can start digging your heels in and pulling the game back. And the swing turn doesn't even necessarily have to be the turn you get ahead. It could be the turn that starts building your momentum to get ahead. Yeah, Like you could end your swing turn down five points, but that doesn't matter if that turn sets you up to win the next round and your opponent not score anything. Um, So like, we're, we're typically thinking of it and talking about it in terms of this is getting us like the win or the advantage. That's not necessarily going to show up on the scoreboard and it may not even show up on the board in an obvious way, but it, it doesn't make it any less important. I agree with that. I agree as well. So with that, we're going to hop on over and to our listener questions. But before that, we're going to have a little word about our sponsor. This podcast would absolutely not be possible if it wasn't for our sponsors, our friends at Tritex Games and GameChefs.org. If you're looking to buy some sweet, sweet tabletop fun in the U.S., head over to GameChefs.org and use the promo code GAMERSGUILD for 15% off. And if you're in the EU, head over to Tritex Games and get 5% off their already deeply discounted goodies using the code Tritex GGCP5. And if you have a local game store, keep supporting them. We are all for that. 
You can help support the podcast by joining the Gamers Guild Patreon for as little as $1 a month or, wait for it, $12 a year. That's right. I can do math. Also, join us on our Discord and be a part of the Gamers Guild discussion for all things fun. And we are back. Now, we put out some questions about the swing turns, but the actual questions we got weren't really swing turn related per se, but we figured we're going to answer them anyway. Just a couple of them. Uh, And the first one is from Brad A. And he says, not sure if this is a swing question, but thoughts on activation decisions when you have a character that hasn't activated but will likely be dazed or KO'd versus activating a character in their ideal situation. Will, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about that? Um, I tend, if it's a situation where, okay, my character just dazed, he woke up with a bunch of power, my brain immediately goes to how much damage can I have this character do and will it help me? So like uh, the other night we were playing and my Beta Ray Bill got dazed and next to him, he had a Hulk. He had another Beta Ray Bill. And I want to say a Black Widow. And he woke up with maybe six power somewhere in that neighborhood. So it's like, okay, what is the best thing to do? I didn't have a, I didn't have an extract. I think Hulk was holding an extract and Black Widow was holding an extract. So it's like, can I get the extract and run away? And will it be feasible to do? And luckily it was. I was able to like... I think I threw his Beta Ray Bill into Black Widow, and she had the extract. I grabbed it, and then I ran him away. But sometimes when you wake up with that power after being dazed, it's really just assessing the situation. And it's, okay, is what I'm going to do either win the board state and help me towards my end goal? Or is it going to, okay, let me just cause some destruction over here because he's going to die anyway, and he's not important to the plan at the moment. So it really just depends on the situation. Okay. How about you, Josh? What was the question one more time? It's basically asking that if you're in a situation, it's an activation decision based on a character that is likely to be dazed or KO'd versus activating a character in their ideal situation. Uh, let me read it. Sorry, it's going in. It's just like not sticking in my brain. This one question for thoughts. Okay. Um, so for me, I think it's that, you know, part of identifying your win condition, right? You don't always need every character to activate and maybe you don't want them to activate because maybe that gets you priority on the next round. Uh, or maybe, you know, you talk about the ideal situation for that character. Maybe, someone else has that ideal situation right now. Maybe that character can actually save that character or, um, you know, you know, your opponent's going to go for it and that's attacks off other people. So you go with those other people. Um, I think it's all about knowing what's important in the current game state. Um, sometimes you're going to want to get the, get the activation out of that character, whether they're going to daze or not. And sometimes you want your opponent to do it. And when they do it, it's just an advantage. Um, 
And I think that can also go into swing turns, right? Like sometimes your swing turn might be based on that guy didn't quite die or days or KO or whatever. So now you get an activation with them real quick and maybe that pulls someone else down with them. And that's all you needed for to get the, the advantage for the next round. So <laughs> I answered the question by saying it's just really, uh, it just depends. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of times, uh, and like from my opinion is, I mean, I agree with everything you've all said, but a lot of times I hear people say a phrase like, well, I'm going to activate this person because if I don't, then they're not going to be able to because they're like with one health left or something like that. But the question that shouldn't be in your thought of like, how do it shouldn't be necessarily, how do I maximize all of my activations necessarily, but it should be like, well, if I activate this person, what is this, when they're done with their activation, how does this advance my, how does this advance my, my, my wing condition? As Josh said, like, how do, how do, are the do I need them to activate because they hold they are currently holding an extract so I need to double move them and then grappling hook them to the corner, uh, otherwise somebody's going to take them out, uh, and I need that extract because as a vital VP that gets me to sixteen, um, you know is that something you're thinking about or are you thinking about well that character's probably going to die but is it not bad that that character dies because then my opponent has to spend resources either by you spending power to throw things at them or by spending actions to attack them. And therefore they're not spending those resources or on the board state that I care about. So maybe it's better that instead I do something else with a different character. And even though that character might die the next round, it doesn't matter because I'm getting my, to my path of 16. And that's, that's the most important question you have to ask yourself. Does which character's activation at that decision gets you to sixteen? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right, and we have another question, which is uh, completely off topic, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. <laughs> uh, so this one is your th- our th- your thoughts on the current slate of releases. Uh, it feels like there have been virtually no twos or threes dropped in a long time. And we're going to go with Josh. Hold on. I got to look up the, the the release schedule because I can't think of it right now. Well, I know who the last threes were. What were the, what were the last threes? Blob and Pyro. That wow. was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that like was November. That was right before, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've been November. getting Beta Ray Bills and Everything's uh, been Spider Women and Agent Venom and Ulix and Cosmic Ghost Riders and... Immortal Hulk and MODOK. Claw, MODOK. I almost want to say the last two was Honey Badger, but I don't know if I'm right. Honey Badger, maybe. That's right. Know. No, that's right, because the one before that was Bob. Wow. So yeah, we need another two. Do we though? <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. So like, <clears throat> there was a period in t- of time where like threes were the game, right? Yes. Like when we had Valkyrie and Shuri and Baron Zemo and all these other stupid threes and then Okoye making it a game of twos and threes. And I think that this is like a push lately to bring us into an era of bigger characters, two, five, blah, 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 blah fours and fives and sixes and stuff. Um, and I don't dislike that at all. Um, 
I think that's fine because I think that having polarizing low point characters can become an issue for like splashing because like Valkyrie was everywhere for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's more interesting when someone's having to make room for some sort of weird four or five uh, than a a really low cost character that's just getting more work than they should be for their points. Um, The problem is though, there are so many good fours coming out now that it's like, okay, you get, at one point my weapon Nexus had like five fours in it. Just and each one served a different purpose. And in September, we're thinking of doing an affiliation battle tournament so that you can only lock to affiliation other than like rogue agents and core box characters. And I think the A Force list I was thinking about was She Hulk and all fours. Just because there's there's too many choices. Like I I love the fact that we're getting these like great fours and like the and four pluses but I would like to see a three show up every now and then. Yeah. We definitely need some threes. Twos twos need to be very careful. I I just want shocker to be a two. I'm okay with that. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's sort of, I think we've reached the state where we're, I don't know. What are we like? 130, 140 characters. Like, Uh, I can tell you in just a second. Yeah. How, how many characters are in this? 146. Yeah, there you go. 146. Wow. That maybe this this is this is crit wild. It may be also including like Hydra agents. So we have three sets of grunts. So 143. Yeah. All right. So 100 somewhere between 140 and 150 characters, give or take. When you're listening to this episode, uh, and you you're like, I think we've gone past the point where we're like, well, we're only. These are the only threes. These are the only fours. These are only fives. Obviously, there are characters that are higher on the curve than most, but you know, we, there's no longer like there's so many great fours. So yeah. I, I include all of them. It's just like at this point, it's just like what are the four? What what fours best execute your game plan? And then when you have to decide between those fours, which which is your favorite character? <laughs> I don't know. Like you know, choose your favorite. I'm going to choose Age of Venom over, you know, Spider-Woman because I like Age of Venom more. That's that's mm-hmm. my Nate impression. And you know, that that's that's kind of like the decision making you kind of have to make at that point because there's so many characters. But I agree. I think uh I think the game has been I think the game is, ha- has so many great threes already in it. And I think that we are now in a wave uh, to allow us to have so many great fours. And I think that's a good thing. Oh, well, yeah. I think I think it's interesting to think... Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I think go ahead. Uh, it's interesting to think... I, I feel like if we'd had this conversation last year, I think we would st- still be kind of like fours are sort of an awkward... Because there's a lot of... A big part of the time where four was not like not a great point value to be in in this game. And we had a few notable fours... Uh, I think it was up until, a, I think that even like when Enchantress was around, like Enchantress was just kind of like the four. And then our other fours were like, you took Vision sometimes and like who, I don't even, I can't even think about who else. Black Panther. Like Panther, yeah. Um, I don't think it was until like Voodoo that we started really seeing like really good fours that made us really consider like fours as like a building option mm-hmm. and not just something broken, even though he is, he was especially at the time a little broken, but 
we started, we've started getting more fours, you know, that are like a like building option. So now we're finally getting their time with a bunch of releases in a row. So I'm not hating it. I think it's a good thing for the game. Cause like, like I said, it was just so bad for so long. Um, and now threes and twos are feeling a little bit more awkward sometimes. So twos, especially, I feel like twos aren't nearly as important as they were even a few months ago. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. But I still think it's a weird, dangerous point value. If you have a good two in affiliation, it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Spider foes. Need a, need a, need a, Spider foes would really love it. Really love it. Midnight Suns would love a good two threat. Hey, um, I, I didn't appreciate Honey Badger until I've been jamming Weapon X. I really saw her value in oh. like as just being just that annoying little pain in the ass. Honey Badger is pretty good. Oh, I've, yeah. I've I've seen some people talking about her in Midnight Suns, and I think that's potentially pretty cool. And Shield, mm. no, it was not, not Midnight Suns. It was Shield talking about uh, Honey Badger and Shield, and I think that's interesting. But like, please shoot the child. Yeah, shoot the child, <laughs> uh, or else she's gonna she's gonna make me shoot you better. Yeah. That is a very much a Nick Fury thing, though, right? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> like, I I always thought it was funny that I was bringing. I, I used to bring Sentinel Prime a bunch, and I'm leaning away. And I always thought it was funny. I'm like, yeah, Nick Fury would totally use a Sentinel. Absolutely, <laughs> like, absolutely. It, and, uh, it's, it's in the lore. So I think it was Leland or something from Aegis Brand was talking about like, oh yeah, it's just uh, you know Nick Fury and Tony bringing their mutant killing prototype. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Out, out for a, out for a drive or something like that. <laughs> uh, but I, I I like big characters. I've never been shy about saying it. So I also wouldn't be upset if we saw some more big boys uh, to sort of round out the 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 curve on what what they want the big threat characters to do. Um, I feel like fours were the we didn't really know what they wanted them to do, and now we kind of see it, and now mm-hmm. we kind of know how to really pro- properly interact with fours well i don't know Uh, if we do know how to interact with fours yet i think we're at this like i think maybe in a bit we will because i think right now we're getting so many fours that we end up in like will's position where we're now just jamming all fours and that i think is a great experiment to start (laughs) off to see what you can do when you have that many fours but i i i still think that at we have to reach that point where where we now figure out okay, well, which because the point value is still a little awkward yeah. when you're trying to do what you need to do. So you can't have too many fours and have a, an appropriately flexible roster. Yeah, but I, I will say there are more more times now, especially when I'm experimenting with other rosters, where I get to games or I get to hypotheticals, and I'm like, man, I really need another four in here. Yeah, that was that was not a case before. It was how do I drop and get two more twos or something? Yeah, no, I was having that same discussion with uh with my friend Mike. I'm like, I need to actually drop a four to put a three in here. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and now, now I feel like we're getting to the opposite, and it, I yeah. think that's a good thing for maybe maybe next. Maybe we're just counting up. You know, maybe a year or so from now. We'll be like, why are they releasing so many fives? And man, fives are just so fun and good right now. And then we'll get to sixes and then we'll be playing, you know, 20 points with three characters at a time, just oh all around. God, God, no. Stop it. No, please no. Sentinels will be good. Can you imagine? Just imagine <laughs> for a moment. 
a universe where Sentinels are like competitively viable. Nimrod like, Sentinels win. Are, Nimrod win. Oh, you know what they need? They need a good two. <laughs> oh, what was that dude from the '90s comic run? Green hair. He was Bishop's enemy. Fitzroy. So that's. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. I don't yeah. remember the name, but yeah, 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 yeah. He could be a two. Just put who's the, the guy, Who's the guy that made the Sentinels? Trask. Trask. Yeah. I mean, you could do Trask. Just make Trask. Make him a leader. Can't be sure. any worse than Wong. <laughs> a two. Imagine a two threat leader. How cool that would be. That would be that would be something. Make Vulture a two threat. Dude, I want uh, Vulture, and I want uh, the artwork for that Vulture where he yeah. looks more like No Way Home. Absolutely, I, I, think, I think Vulture's a three threat. I think, and, he is and, also. and I would love it because I do think that Spider Foes could do with some like a, a really uh, good three threat. Spider Foes is almost oops all fours right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and oops all big boys. They got yeah. a lot of fat bases with medium moves. Yeah. Yeah, Vulture being a nice 35 millimeter flying character who can like do some, I don't know, even know, I haven't even thought about it, but just something to bring in something so that you're not just deciding between like Doc Ock and Mysterio and Craven. He could definitely have like some kind of displacement, like if you like his wings or whatever, just like flap at somebody and play some range two away or something like that. Grab onto them and pull them. He could have, yeah. he could be like the opposite of like Sam Wilson, where like Sam Wilson has his airlift, but he does it to an enemy. Ooh. That'd be kind of cool. That that drop cool. off for your opponent, but, they don't, but you get oh to attack God. them. Wow. <laughs> that would actually be very cool. <laughs> I mean, like Hell on Wheels with Ghost Rider would be a great card if it wasn't a card, right? Like if you could just do it. Yeah. I mean, just tone it down a little bit and I think it would be a perfectly fine superpower. Just make him not get lit on fire afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They could be stunned. Oh, no, I don't know. That's that's (laughs) That's kind of crazy. Stunned without like damage coming in beforehand is... Uh, very debilitating. There's a reason why people really like the concept of stun before damage is dealt. I agree. So one last question. This one is for Josh. It is from our co-host, Justin. And his question is, why are you the way that you are? I don't have (laughs) enough clarification to answer this question. But probably uh, we could get into a whole argument about nature versus nurture. Um. I really don't know which side of the fence I'm on. Um, and I have no medication. That helps a little bit too. Cool. Uh, so, well, you know, we can really, we can really have a conversation, but I really need to know some specifics. Um, Fair enough. So we can uh, also talk with my podcast daddies, Nate and other will to really get an idea of um, what's going on in this little, uh, this little noggin. They are both the nature and the nurture, aren't they? They are the nature and the nurture. They're the angel and the devil on the shoulders. You could be my angle or my devil. Which, which one's <laughs> the devil? Yes. It's question. just two devils. That's the real problem. <laughs> I've just got, I've just got Nate prodding, like prodding me to do ma- bad things. Cause he knows I'll do it. And then I've got Will telling me to order chicken tenders off of every menu. I see. I like chicken tenders. Me too. You don't like them as much as he does. Probably not. That's that's probably not. When if you come to Nashcon and you manage to go out to eat, and Will from House Party Protocol is there, 
He's ordering chicken tenders. Well, the current plan. The current plan is I should be there for the dinner everyone's planning that night. So, which night is that? Friday uh, or uh, Thursday? Thursday night? Thursday night, okay. I believe. Yeah. He's ordering chicken tenders. If they don't have chicken tenders on the menu, he's gonna find a way. <laughs> nice. I love that man. <laughs> so, Will, where can the people find you? Um, well, you can find me on the Game Store Guardians YouTube channel and podcast. Um, I am in all the discords under half ass ninja, but instead of an S or instead of two S's, it's a Z because long, long story short, Xbox live made me change my name years ago because somebody complained. So I just, I, it took me a long time to figure out that I wasn't missing a D for half days ninja. Yeah. Well, the quick, the quickie version of that is I was playing rainbow six one night. And all of a sudden, I got kicked off the Xbox Live, and I didn't know why. So I called them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, somebody reported your name is offensive. So I just changed the two S's in Half-Ass Ninja to a Z, and that was it. And now nobody Excellent. knows what it is. They can't exactly. They're like, Half-Days Ninja? Okay, now they're like, sure, Half-Days, Half-Phased. I've been called everything, whatever. Uh, you also have a Twitch, though, right? I do have a Twitch. It's same thing with the Z, twitch.tv slash Half-Ass Ninja. Um, also, not a lot of people know this. I did write a book. It's on Amazon called jake howard multiverse 101 so Ooh. if anybody's into uh sci-fi fantasy in the mid 90s in upstate new york check it out it's got a pretty good soundtrack on spotify too i didn't realize <laughs> we had a published author in the house oh yeah i'm working on the sequel so. heck yeah sounds great all right so i think that about wraps it up for us we talked about swing turns we gave our listeners our opinions and hopefully that is helpful to enlighten you towards winning some more of your games thank you will for coming on we appreciate your insight and everything that you've brought and you should definitely check out his stuff because it's all amazing and he as you can tell from this episode is a very charming person so thank you you're welcome (laughs) And, and that is it so until next time keep on gaming (laughs) 